Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome in, everybody. Tuesday, August 15th edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM, live from Las Vegas at our Circus Sportsbook studio. I'm not Stormy Bonantoni. I was merely in her wedding this weekend, Michael, but I'm Ben Wilson. Michael Lombardi is with Were us. Were you in the wedding? I, I was Were not you in, in the it. Wedding? I, was, I, was, I was actually Attending. doing. I was doing the timing for all of the wedding props. So under oh, lo- 59 and a half seconds for the bride entrance did cash, by the way, for those who are interested. Oh, lovely. So I, I felt an honor that I was at least part. I, I assigned that role myself, Michael, but, you know, it, 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 it still was an honor. Uh, great to be back with you, though. Ready to, ready to go nice here. To we're see we're you, ben. under three, basically at the three week mark, uh, three weeks and two days for week one of the NFL season getting underway. And, and talk about the storylines that we've got. I mean, every single day brings us something new. And our main one today, at least to open the show, comes out of Indianapolis where head coach Shane Steichen. Says Anthony Richardson is the quarterback. He is the guy. Even though week one in preseason was not all that impressive through a really ugly interception and that loss to Buffalo, Richardson named the week one starter. Michael, surprised at all by the timing, or was this something you foreseen, uh, foresee happening uh, as far as the whole process here in preseason? No, I mean, look, you know, they, they signed Gardner Minshew in the offseason, and he Gardner Minshew can't run the six-back offense, which Jalen Hurts made so successful for Shane Steichen in Philadelphia. So, you know, to me, if you want to get this offense going, you really just got to put them out there. I I think the misconception about the six-back offense is because of Philadelphia's great execution and Philadelphia's ability to score points, everybody believes it's a complex offense. It's really not. It's fairly simple. You know, a lot of quarterback runs, pretty easy reads for the quarterback, going to throw it here, going to throw it there, very little drop-back pass. Of course, when you score 204 points in the second quarter and get leads on people, you don't need a lot of drop-back passes. So, look, it's going to be a growing experience for them. I was surprised the line didn't move with the announcement, but I think everybody, the line was built in to knowing that Richardson was going to start. Here's my concern, Ben, is if – How good is the Colts' defense? Because if you're going to go with Richardson, 
And you've got to have a really good defense. And one of the reasons why Steichen got the job was because they were convinced Gus Bradley's defense was what it needed to be. Like they thought Gus Bradley was the that was that was part of the deal. Even though they finished 28th in, in points allowed and you know 15th in yards and you know they struggled to really to create the kind of turnovers that they did the year before with Eberflus. They were bought into this, and if they get behind, if Richardson plays from behind, that's when it's going to get really ugly. Sure. You look at last year, 2022, just on an EPA per play basis, worst, and just in general, worst turnover margin in the league. But there, there were some things you look at, Michael, that, that lead me to say it's not necessarily all bad on the Colts defensively, where they were 10th defending the run on an EPA per play basis, 18th against the pass, 11th in yards per drive allowed. Only got 74 snaps out of linebacker Shaq Leonard, who – basically everybody would say is the heartbeat, the strength of that defense. So I look at the front seven and I go, all right, well, DeForest Buckner is one of the elite defensive linemen. Leonard mm-hmm. with full health combined with Zaire Franklin could be a part of a really strong front seven. And the rest of the division outside of Jacksonville, who the Colts ironically get in week one at home, they're a home dog about three and a half points. Don't match up particularly well with Jacksonville because of the playmakers the Jags have in the wide receiver tight end front and, and a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Cause the secondary looks really, really bad on paper, but don't you think if if you assume health, which is always dangerous in the NFL, defensively from a front seven perspective, could be a, a much different story for the Colts in 2023. It's really the secondary that I would I would say has the biggest cause for concern. Well, I mean, look, when you play inside a dome, you know, that helps your run defense immediately because the crowd noise, the ability, and their gap-controlled penetrating defense should. You know, now, you know, they lost the game the week two of the season. They lose that game down in Jacksonville, and – you know their offense was atrocious. They gave up three. They gave up three turnovers, and Jacksonville got their win and shut them out twenty-four to nothing. But then they beat them in week six of the season. You know they put thirty-four points on them. They didn't turn the ball over, and they held Jacksonville. You know to really they they held Jacksonville one hundred thirty-six yards passing. They ran the ball. Jacksonville did on them. So I think a lot of this is going to come down to you're right. Their front seven's got to be dominating. But I, I really believe this, Ben. This is a style of defense that has to play 28 minutes. The longer they play because of their size, mm-hmm. the less effective I think they become. So you're go- they're going to have to do a really good job of slowing the pace of the game, running the ball. Richardson's going to have to convert those third and fours with his feet as much as anything. And, and that's why you look at just the, the combination of the two, you know, the, the two schemes with the offense and the defense. I, I look at the offensive line. You talk about a six-back offense and what helped make that so successful at Philadelphia was just – an elite, rock-solid offensive line that created so much separation basically every single play. That's where, for Indianapolis, I, I look at it as being the, the big question mark because an offensive line anchored by Quentin Nelson, the previous four seasons, he only gave up four sacks in, in combined those four years. Last season, he gives up five, and a lot of us were left wondering, uh, what the hell happened to this previously dominant offensive line? So I'm, I'm willing to believe under a new system that Nelson should get back to being the previously elite left guard that he is, but I, I just wonder where you stand on an O-line that, to me, is, is going to determine a lot uh, with when you're throwing out a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson, who clearly has a ways to go. Well, I think a lot of this is, is going to... Last year's laying at, at, at Frank Wright's feet, and we saw a little bit of it show up in Carolina this week with that offensive line, which was really good running the football last year, got really destroyed, and, and he left, he left uh, Bryce Young out there to take a beating. So I feel like the Colts would say to you in rebuttal, our line was poorly coached last year. 
we were not as good. You know, they're going to start Rahman, the kid who played against Denver. You know, they had the TV cameras on him. He had all those holding calls. Yep. They actually believe, and they may be right, they think he's going to be a really good player. You or know, they need Ryan yeah. Kelly to stay healthy. Braden Smith was at one time a good player for them. So I think their answer back to you would be, we're going to coach this line better than it was coached last year. And, and we'll need to see it. I mean, we haven't seen it quite yet, but that's what the preseason's all about. And this is, of course, all within the framework. Of the, the, el- the giant elephant in the room is the Jonathan Taylor situation, the running back who does basically announce yesterday. He's all right back returning to, to training camp, still on the active, physically unable to perform list. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network noting that Taylor's status has still not changed. And so if you have any belief and confidence in Indianapolis and, and you, you believe that the O-line can get back to the previous form, that the front seven can be a, a really good unit, it still all comes down to Taylor and whether they figure this thing out. Uh, where, where, do you, where do you see this going now that Taylor is, at the very least, Michael, back in camp for Indy? Well, I mean, back in camp, you know, is he cleared to play? No. Is he going to get a new contract? I, I mean, the owner's already come out and said that's a no. And when the owner comes out, like I've said many times, you got to know who your opponent is in a negotiation. And in this case, Jim Irsay's went out of his way to say, look, I'm not doing it. Now, I think this, if if – Taylor lowered his demands and said, look, I'll take 13 a year for three years. I think the Colts would want to do that. But at 17 a year or 15 a year, whatever he's asking for, I don't think they want to do that. So a lot of this is is his mood. I mean, if you talk to anybody around Indianapolis, which I have, is this kid went from being a great kid, a great kid who they loved, everybody in the building loved, to now he's a sourpuss. Now he's just acting unhappy. And a lot of it is because of this new agent that he hired who really doesn't understand how to renegotiate. I he, that agent must have promised Taylor a lot to behave this way. And it's not ideal that that is all within the backdrop of the changing landscape for NFL running back contracts. That, that's just unfortunately the timing for Jonathan Taylor has been about as bad as you could get if you're a running back in today's day and age. I just look at the Colts and go, hey, there's th- some things I like. I mentioned the O-line at least assuming they get back to the top half of the league unit, front seven. And if Taylor were to be fully healthy and committed, ready to go from week one, I'd say Indianapolis is not that far off from, say, a Tennessee, who's the second favorite in the division right now. Colts at six and a half on the win total uh, is a third long shot out of the AFC South. Like, I power rate them about 24th in the league, so I don't think they're going to be as much of a dumpster fire as some believe, but that still is completely predicated on Taylor. I'm, I'm just curious where your power ratings are at right now on the Colts and, and just how much this Taylor absence or, or, uh, or not would potentially impact that. Well, I mean, Taylor didn't play well last year, right? What did he average, 3-8 a carry? Now, you could say it was the offensive line, but typically running backs make the line a little better. I mean, how many times we see a back break a tackle and next thing you know he's making yards? So, I, I mean, to me I, – I, I think I am. I'm not as high on their defense as you are. I I think to me, you know, when you give up a lead like they gave up in Minnesota, when you, some of the things I think when they play against teams that understand how to attack them and they're outside, they're not in that dome. It becomes a liability. Look, the key to this whole offense, and we've seen it in Philadelphia, and we're going to see it in Indianapolis, is the quarterback's got to be the designated runner. I mean, look. Miles Sanders was interchangeable, right? Even though he gained 1,000 yards, he went out in the market and got $6 million. The Eagles, and they signed Rashard Perry, and they signed Swift. They feel like they're inter- the quarterback's not interchangeable. That ability to run. Now, what I thought was interesting was watching Richardson, Ben, I saw him more as a Josh Allen runner than a Lamar Jackson runner. 
I think he's a power back. I don't think he's a he's a shifty, elusive guy. And I wonder how that's going to go when it comes to the injury factor. How is he going to hold up? He's going to take some hits. I think that's probably the big reason why you mentioned having Gardner Minshew and as a backup quarterback, you have to think we see Minshew a, a decent amount, not only because of potential injury, but you'd have to think there are going to be stretches where there is ineffectiveness. Richardson needs some time on, on the sideline. His, his quote for what that's worth was that, as of right now, I think I'm ready. But who am I to say if I'm ready or not? So, I mean, does yeah, Richardson not ready. even believe? Nobody's yeah. ready. It's like a head coach first time. Shane Steichen's not ready to be a head coach, but he's going to have to do it, right? You know, you just got to do it. You're, nobody, you're never ready. You're never ready to buy your first house. You're never ready to be a head coach. You're never ready to be anything. You just got to get in there and do it. Exactly. I, w- I, I was not ready to buy my uh, first house. Somehow, I don't know how I did it. Uh, somehow. Somehow, some way, we, we yeah. survived. <laughs> and, and you move on and you learn, you learn from all that. Uh, not the only uh, running back piece of news that we have to talk about though today Michael because a lot has gone on in the last 24 hours running back wise Dalvin Cook to the New York Jets that signing made official Ezekiel Elliott expected to be official to the New England Patriots and and also Brees Hall back at practice from an ACL injury for Gang Green so we'll talk about the Jets talk about the Patriots also talk some O-line Zach Martin is back with the Dallas Cowboys we'll discuss all that big show for you today right here on the Lombardi line This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your stage issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Along with Michael, I'm Ben. 
on a Tuesday. We have a fun show still to come. Michael Will Hill, VEASAN analyst, joins us in about a half hour. Aaron Moore, one of our outstanding writers at VEASAN.com, will join us 1.30 Eastern. Now, Will coming up here at 12.45 on the East Coast. Talking running backs right now, Dalvin Cook is a New York Jet. The report from Adam Schefter was a $7 million base contract, $1.6 million in incentives, but still not going to be on the practice field for some time, coming back from that surgically repaired shoulder. As you see, Cook now, that had been the rumblings, Michael. He would be going to the Jets in the AFC East. Uh, what's that impact on the Jets once Cook is actually on the field and ready to go? And then they also got Bryce Bryce Hall. They Bryce activated Hall, him off of PUP. So that gives them two guys, both of them coming off of injuries. You know, I was told that Cook couldn't practice uh, much last year during the season because of the shoulder. So, you know, maybe this will help him. Look, he is, let's just put it in, in context. He'll be the Aaron Jones to the Nathaniel Hackett, uh, Aaron Rodgers offense. Great, great out of the backfield, catch balls, line up in the slot, line up extended, you know, do things in the passing game and still run the football effectively. Think about it, though, Ben. He got $7 million in base salary if that's what he actually got. We have to double-check this all the time because whenever we read these numbers, they come directly from the agent, and they tend to inflate them, whereas when we see them come into the league office, we actually know more. But $7 million puts on this on a one-year deal puts him ahead of Miles Sanders and every back David Montgomery that signed this past offseason. So he did a really good deal for himself, and he'll help the Jets. He'll give them that security blanket to help Aaron Rodgers knows he's got somebody that he can count on in the passing game. Especially when you combine Cook coming in, and he is not, by the way, going to join the team right away, expected to become a first-time father here in the coming days. Then then at least a week away was the report from being able to practice coming off of the shoulder surgery from a year ago. You combine him with Brees Hall, who tore the ACL week seven last year, coming back officially back to practice today, uh, basically 24 hours after the, the deal was signed with Dalvin Cook. So team has suggested that they are optimistic. Hall be ready for the opener. And this is a guy who, you know, who's really electric when, when thrown in. It's why those two factors combined, Michael, you have to say now from a running back room, you could, you could argue this is a top 12 running back room in the league. It's just a matter of can the offensive line that are relying on a couple of elder statesmen, so to speak, on the, uh, on the tackles, can that hold up? And, and how good will we see those running backs utilized, whether it is both in the running game as well as the passing game here for the Jets? Well, I mean, Josh Jacobs basically outgained the Jets' entire team running the football last year. You know, uh, they only gained 1,686 yards, so they they struggled to run the football. They're 24th in yards per attempt right now. Look, they were 27th in attempts because oftentimes, especially the second half of the season, they got behind in games. So they need balance. I mean, they need this, and it will slow the game down a little bit. Because what we've seen so far in the two preseason games is the Jets' offense, defensive front is really good. Their backups are good. And if they can play from in front, if they can get the lead and let those rushers really take off with their corners, with Reed and with Sauce Gardner, that's going to really help them create the turnovers that they didn't create last year. That That's the biggest issue. You know, after their bye week, you know, the last eight games of the year, they didn't turn the ball over but two times, once against Jacksonville and once against the Bears. That's it. Sure. I, and having watched the entirety of that game preseason-wise, Jets-Panthers over the weekend, and that looked like varsity versus the JV. Like, the Panthers' O-line had, had no chance. Bryce Young as a quarterback got one first down and three drives. He, he was basically helpless, though, on basically every drop back. Even, even passes he got completed, he got, he got hit. I don't know what game... Frank Wright was watching. I said this on the podcast yesterday. I said that if 
Al Davis was the owner of the Carolina Panthers. Frank Wright might not have made it till till today, because that was I had a text from somebody in the league who worked with me in Oakland, and he said, "Good thing Al doesn't own the Panthers because <laughs> Frank Wright wouldn't be back. He'd be out for conduct detrimental." It's true. I mean, I don't know what he was watching. Like he got the, he let the quarterback get get literally hit. I mean Johnson, McDonald, you know, Solomon Thomas. I mean they couldn't block any of them, and it wasn't the Jets starters, and it was and it was Carolina starters. Right. Yeah, that that was certainly as much as we don't want to overreact to preseason. That had to that had to set off some alarm bells when you watch how how helpless well, we, Bryce Young looked. We but, want to overreact to a quarterback getting the crap beat out of him. That we have to do. We, you know, I'm of sure. Course. Bryce is sore this week. Yeah, oh no doubt. But it, look, it, for the Jets' perspective, it at least showed, yeah, that's still an elite uh, defensive group, especially on the line. And it's now about where will the offensive line production will be to help out Aaron Rodgers coming in at quarterback and the running backs we talked about. Uh, second worst runs, run block separation that the, that offensive line uh, built up a season ago. And you mentioned the limited attempts, uh, partially due to time and score, but also the ineffectiveness there of the O-line. So, and it's back. not any better this yeah. year, Ben. Let, let's put I, as much as praise as we're going to put on the Jets, and they deserve it from a defensive standpoint. This offensive line's a huge concern. They're talking about moving Vera Tucker out to right tackle, you know, and they know Mac Mitchell can't handle it. They're hoping Becton can and continue to improve to give them something. Who knows what the Bra- Wayne Brown's going to give them? And we know Lakeland Tomlinson last year was not a very good player, and there's no depth. I mean, they drafted Tipman to be the starting center in the second round, and he hasn't been able to beat out McGovern. Sure. It's why I have not invested in the Jets. I, I don't like betting on teams that have really big question marks at offensive line, and I would argue the Jets have the worst offensive line in the AFC East heading into the year when you're throwing they, they a 38-year-old do. at left tackle and – a guy in Mackay Becton who's played fewer than 800 snaps in the last three seasons. I just, I'm going to need to yeah. see a little bit more as great as Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, and Brees Hall are. It, it can't just be all that. It, there's got to be some more infrastructure there. So I, I'm completely with you on that. Yeah, I mean, that that's the question mark for the Jets is can they keep him upright? Can he, can he stay healthy? Yeah. And Cook will help, you know, but if you can't run block, if you're not getting any movement up front, it's hard. Sure. Staying in that division, by the way, we talk about Cook, Hall, back for the New York Jets. Ezekiel Elliott, that is the other running back news in the AFC East. Reportedly, one-year deal expected to be up, worth up to $6 million, including incentives. So Zeke had the visit back in late July with New England. Now he does enter uh, the backfield, and it's a big name. Production hasn't been great, uh, but Patriots certainly can still use some help on the offensive playmaker side. Well, I mean, look, the Patriots have to correct a couple things, and and one of the things they really have to correct – is their red zone offense. And last year they finished 22nd in red zone run t- rushing touchdowns. One thing about Zeke, Zeke can help in that area. Look, I don't think Zeke's going to be an outside-the-tackle runner, but that's what Stevenson's there for. Stevenson and Zeke have the same agent, so they kind of have a camaraderie together. And if Zeke's in shape in terms of being able to be the banger in the tackle, the short yardage back, and the red zone runner, uh, they could use that because last year, you know, when you go through their season, they're 27th in the league in third downs. They were 32nd in red zone production. If those numbers would have changed dramatically at all, there's there's four games on the schedule the Patriots should have won, and they didn't. And so that's an area they've got to address. And they, they, most importantly, they've got to be able to keep Mac Jones from turning the ball over. They've got to be able to do that. And they've got to score touchdowns. They've got to get the ball in the end zone. And maybe that with the addition of Zeke as the power back will help that. And we're talking AFC East teams where the Jets six nine and a half win total 
Patriots six and a half heavily juiced to the over, though, either minus 130 or minus 140, depending on where you look. And it seems like we're kind of tying these running back discussions, Michael, to the offensive line because of how those those two things go hand in hand. And Patriots seem to be really polarizing. Some folks really, really high on what Riley Reef can bring as a, a right tackle with with Cole Strange's potential development from year one to year two, but others are, are certainly down on where this uh, this this uh, pass and run blocking group is for New England. Where do you stand on the Patriots, since that obviously is going to have a big impact on Elliott from that offensive line perspective? Well, uh, Awanu, Mike Awanu is on PUP. He was really one of their best players. He'll be a free agent at the end of the year. He hasn't been in there yet at right guard. So I, I think Riley Reeves more of a guard than he is a tackle. They drafted this kid from Eastern Michigan named So. They drafted him in the fourth round. He looked really good. I mean, if Will Anderson was the best player in the draft, I'm not sure what So was who blocked him. Right. So they're going to need to get that. And then they, this Moffy kid from UCLA played really well the other night. They're a work in progress. The key for them, though, the biggest key for the Patriots offensive line is can Trent Brown stay healthy and can Trent Brown play to the level we've seen him play before? Like Trent Brown is a really talented left tackle, but Trent Brown is very inconsistent. And Trent Brown has bouts of, of lack of concentrate concentration and that affects them. So that's the key to their team. I think their offensive line is going to be pretty good. We'll see this week when they go to Green Bay to practice against them tomorrow. Yeah, that'll be a good, a, very, a major thing to watch as far as the joint practices going on there with the Patriots and Packers on a week two preseason matchup. Patriots were top 12 in pass blocking last year as far as pressure rate allowed, but we're bottom 10 in the run blocking category from a season ago. So that's certainly something that we're, we're following amidst the signing of Ezekiel Elliott expected to be confirmed here with, within the next uh, few hours and in the next day or two. Speaking of AFC East, we're going to dive in some of your full season predictions, Michael. I'm excited to hear these because we haven't been together for some time. We're going to start today with the AFC East, AFC North. We'll do the AFC South, AFC West a little bit later in the show as well. So we're going to start diving in into some full NFL season predictions. And Will Hill joins us in about 20 minutes. All still to come right here on the Lombardi Line. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with 
former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Really fun first hour in the books here on Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. We're back. A lot to get to in hour two. We'll talk Michael's season-long predictions, AFC South, AFC West. We'll get Aaron Moore on, VEASAN.com writer, to talk some college football and the Sunbelt Conference in particular. A lot of news and notes to talk about as we welcome you back. Michael's here. I'm Ben Wilson in for Stormy. Stormy and Chris on the honeymoon. Congrats uh, to to the newlyweds as well. So I'll, I'll be in all week. Excited for that. Uh, and uh, we, we want to start, though, with what is on Michael's mind here in hour number two, Michael. And, uh, it's you know, it's one of those things, for whatever reason, whenever you and I have been together over the last few months, it, it always seems like there's something new coming out of James Harden's mouth in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, there's always something coming out of Philadelphia. I mean, the incompetence, you, you can't, you can't, it's, it, you can't match the incompetence that has gone on in that uh, Philadelphia 76er building office. And this isn't just a fender bender this has been a pattern of horrendous decisions going back, and Stephanie was kind enough to indulge me today. At the end of the show, at the, our last hour, I'll have the five worst 76er trades in NFL and NBA history of their franchise. That doesn't even go into. I didn't even include their draft day trades that were a disaster, nor did I include their draft picks, which were a disaster. Oh, so, boy. like, there's three elements of this. But what's on my mind today is – Harden made the announcement. By the way, you know, look, I'm not in any kind of great shape either, but Harden looked like he hasn't worked out at all this offseason. I don't know if you saw the picture of him talking or listened to it. But I did. It didn't look good. We, we, well, we also have the uh, we have we have the sound we can we can show as well where James Harden. Well, we'll just let him we'll let him say it like, and, and, and go from there. Mori is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization like these ones. He said Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Morey is a liar. I will never be a part of an organization he is a part of. And yes, if you're watching us at Vison.com YouTube TV, you can see the not exactly svelte uh, offseason look that the James Harden is going with there, Michael. No, no working out. But look, I mean, as an executive, uh, I, I, what's on my mind really isn't just this. I mean, the Sixers are in checkmate. This is the second player that has come out and basically said he doesn't want to play for the organization. Now, that player, Ben Simmons, had some value. This player, James Harden, doesn't because Harden could have opted out and gone to Houston or somewhere else. But Houston said, no, we don't want you. You know, he could have gone to another team, but they didn't want him. They didn't want to pay him. So he had to opt back in. And the, and the discontent here is that he's not going to play. So where what's on my mind is we're about a month away from reading that Joel Embiid wants to be traded. That That's where we're about. We're about a month away from that because the 76ers are in checkmate. He's not going to play for them, Harden. And, he, and if he does, look at the condition that he's in. And so it's not going to lead to anything that's going to resemble a championship. We saw they finished third seeding last year. I feel bad for Nick Nurse, the new head coach, but he walked into a depth trap. I mean, the 76ers have one move to make. They really have one move to make. They either get rid of Maury and believe what Harden says, or they're just going to grin and bear it. They have no first-round picks, right? They have nothing really to stand on the table for, and Embiid's going to not want to stand around for this. So if you can look past the obvious of today and focusing on what Harden said, 
play it forward, Ben. And now we're just a month away from Embiid saying, I want out. I completely understand it. I mean, it would make a lot of sense considering there have been a lot of rumblings just in the past where there are connections that Joel Embiid has to, say, New York and where the Knicks are, are in a position where they've been waiting to make the big splash for some time. And it's not just some, some unknown thing. Like, it is very much out there that New York has had their eyes on Joel Embiid for the kind of waiting for this to sort of blow up. And it seems like that is happening it's right now. It's going to. It's going to, but look, let, you know, Derek Bodner, the former beat writer for the Athletic of the 76ers, he started his own website once the Athletics got rid of all the local writers, and he's covered the 76ers for a while, and he put out a tweet today. Stephanie, you could throw that up there, too. Great tweet. It was great. Well, I mean, he missed some of it, too, here, right? He missed some of it in here, too, right? He, You know... Uh, he missed the fact that we traded Zy- we traded Mikel Bridges for a, a first round pick and and Zaire Smith. We missed that, but this is really kind of interesting, you know. Traded traded away uh, all star point point guard Drew Holiday to to tank right. Drafted two players who didn't play. And this is all comes down to these idiots that think the process worked. Right? They think it worked. Well, it works only like it does in Oklahoma if you can evaluate talent. It takes talent to evaluate talent. When you do stupid stuff like this, it's unfair to say the process worked. It didn't work because they couldn't pick the right players. You know, they brought in they they brought in Mar- Markel's Fultz for a workout. They all said, "Oh my God, he's not very good." Oh my God, we picked him anyway. Traded a first round pick to get him. Like yep. you can't. This is this capsulates just a little bit of the incompetence that goes on. If you're Josh Harris or you're a Washington football fan, like, what is he going to do? How does he get out of this mess that he's put himself into? I, I, I think he has one choice. Either he's going to allow Maury to trade uh, uh, Embiid when Embiid says, I've had enough, or he's going to have to get rid of Maury. It's just amazing to, to kind of read through that the tweet, too, from uh, from Derek Bodner. Because I, what I like how he set this up was he didn't even list any names. It kind of gives you that. Like when you read this and then you kind of apply the context, you go, wow, it is, it is just that start going back from basically one thing a year from 2013 all the way through 2023, the oh, latest they, being the they demand were so of a trade situ- by James Harden. When, when that ball bounced up three times and went down, the, went down, they were so in perfect shape at that moment. They were in unbelievable shape in spite of the Foles pick. They were in unbelievable shape in terms of cap room and flexibility. And they just made really bad choices. They took Tobias Harris over. Now, actually, they took Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler, even though they watched Jimmy Butler run the team from the point guard position. They watched him run it and lead him almost to beat Toronto. They watched how Butler and Embiid meshed, but they said, no, 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 we're going to have to kiss, kiss Ben's butt because Ben's too good. So they got rid of Butler. Everybody thinks they got rid of Butler because of Tobias Harris. They got rid of Butler because Simmons didn't want him around. And then they trade Simmons. Like, you can't make this up. Like, this is the perfect documentary for how do I destroy a franchise. It, I still, my greatest regret probably in, in any uh, amount of just interaction with sports figures was when I was behind Sam Hinkie in the cab line at NBA Summer League, leaving the Thomas and Mack Center about six years ago. Should he get, there was a huge van that pulls up, one of those taxi vans, Michael. Sam Hinkie's all by himself. I should have just hopped in the van. Because there should've. were so many questions. I, I, just, I just wanted to ask him about everything. The guy who orchestrated the process, Sam Hinkie in Philadelphia. I didn't. It's one of my great regrets in life. And, uh, and now I'm left, you know. We're, well, we're he just, gets we'll a pass because he wasn't there for completion. 
but he traded the 21-year-old point guard to tank. He drafted two players that wouldn't play. You know, he drafted their third straight center. You know, he hired, you know, and then they were forced to hire advisors' son to run the team, Brian Colangelo. And then he went off on Twitter because Hanky was getting all this love from the from the Philly people that love the process. But if you just if you just look at what Hanky did when he was there in terms of the selection of players, it was horrendous. Yeah. The other part of this too, I just had to had to laugh as well. And by the way, Sixers are set at you can bet this right now. I mean, NBA win totals have been out for some time. 49 and a half is the win total. Oh, you got to go um, under. This is going to be – he's not coming. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, Harden doesn't need the money. He's not coming. And like, they're in, a, yeah. they're in a trap. They're in a complete trap. There's no way he's coming to camp. They're in the same boat they were in when Ben Simmons wouldn't come. And the issue for books, we saw this happen play out in Brooklyn with, you know, with Kevin Durant, his eventual exit, is that – you know, books can't really just until like as long as the guy's on the roster, it's really hard for books to just presume. There's a lot of liability if the alternative were to happen and if somehow things were to work out where all of a sudden if you drop that number too much, now you're going to have a ton of over liability where you still have the stars intact. So they're kind of in that in that middle ground, no win position as a book. And so if you're better and you feel you have conviction about this and everything we've we've seen and read and heard does not give us much of an inkling that James Harden right. would be with the team. So team that won 54 games and has a ton of off-the-court issues going on right now, 49 and a half. You're only talking about a four-and-a-half win difference uh, from there right now. I, I just find that really interesting, and, and it's one of the rare I, I spots where how the books are kind of handcuffed. Even if he comes in, look at him. I mean, just look at that picture. Here we are in the middle of August. They're going to start – when do they start camp in September? Does he look like he's ready to play? We know his skill set was declining. There's only see. Here's why I think you have to believe what Harden said. I think Harden went to them. I think they went to Harden last year and said, "Look, you take less. We'll we'll extend you next year. You opt out. We'll give you three years when you opt out, and we'll fully guarantee it." Right. And so they were able to get PJ Tucker in, PJ Walker in. They were able to get you know some other players. And then when it came time to do that deal, right? When it came time to do that deal. I think somebody in the building said, there's no way we're paying hard that. He's not any good anymore. And when it's a two year, 68 plus million dollar deal, like what, what team right now, given everything we've watched is in a position to say, you know what? That sounds like a great idea to, to take they on can't trade another him. year. I mean, I, Maury's in checkmate. That's why yeah. Josh Harris has a decision to make. Now, if he trade, if he fires Maury, does that mean Harden comes back and they can get him in shape? We'll see, but they're in checkmate. And they're, and, they, and, and, and they're only going to add more to checkmate when Embiid requests a trade in a month. And I'm glad that was what was on your mind because that, that is really the, the bigger fallout because whatever you want to say, yeah. James Harden's about to be is in his age 34 season, and there are a lot more question marks there than you know, Joel Embiid, for all the health concerns, has still been just an elite center in the NBA now for some time, and that is a guy you want to build a team around, and that could certainly be a path going forward where Embiid wants out. I, I don't think that's hyperbole whatsoever. Could easily see that being the case here in a little bit of time. Uh, we'll also finish up with, yes, I, I, I cannot wait to see this. Lombardi's list, the five worst Sixers trades of all time. We'll do that to close the show uh, in a little bit. Up next though, we continue with Michael's full season NFL division predictions. We're doing the AFC today. We'll talk AFC South, AFC West when we come back here on the Lombardi line. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. 
Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.